Welcome to Storytime with T. L. Rutledge. This is your narrator speaking. Please sit back, relax, and enjoy the story. Chapter Three: Raids and Rumors. 1754, Pennsylvania, the Cherokee Tribe. Miranda followed their father back to the village. It wasn't large, but there was plenty of space for those who lived there. Her family had protected, practically become members of the tribe themselves. Miranda's best friend Mai was a squaw and daughter of the chief Anyeto. Mai was spunky, the secret adventurous side to her, but she never allowed herself to show it. She was always afraid. She was going to get into trouble. Miranda always tried to convince her to come along on one of her adventures, but Mai would decline without fail. She did, however, always beg to hear Miranda's story when she returned. Angento was the chief of the camp. He was close friends with Marcus and Alexander, so close, in fact, that he often asked Marcus and Alexander for their advice without, about important decisions. Though he was an older man and his hair was long and gray. Anyanto carried himself with strength and dignity that gave testament to his years as a fierce warrior. He quickly earned the respect of all of those who met him. Chesmu was the tribe's medicine man. He was a very unusual man with a sort of cleverness and witness, wittiness to him, along with a very good memory. He especially enjoyed telling a well-placed joke every now and then. He also shared some of the most fascinating stories and legends. In fact. He was the one who told the family about the natives' beliefs and about the skinwalkers and their origins. Once Miranda got back to the camp, she was she went off by herself and sat near the calm, quiet lake. Maya approached her with another girl from the tribe, Dalia, as well as Leia. Dalia was very beautiful, much like Leia. Leia had bright green eyes and auburn hair that matched her mother's. Miranda, where did you go this time? Maya asked as she plopped down beside on the ground beside her. Just to the forest, Miranda replied cryptically. She remembered what her father had told her, not to tell anyone what she had seen. Find anything interesting? Maya asked, eyeing her curiously. Not really, just went in there to think. You shouldn't go off like that, Miranda, Leia warned. You don't know what's out there. I'll be fine, Leia, Miranda replied, slowly annoyed. Besides, what fun is life without a little danger? It's not fun when you're dead, Leia retorted. Miranda glared at Leia, so she shrugged it off and walked away. If she wants to get herself killed, she began. Don't listen to them, Mai said. I don't, Miranda replied, carefully avoiding eye contact with Mai. I don't know where Leia got her paranoia from. Certainly not from her parents or mine. Maybe from her grandparents? Mai asked. I wouldn't know, Miranda replied. My family doesn't talk about them, ever. Wonder why that is. I replied, thinking aloud. I don't know, but I wish I knew why they kept it all a big secret. Just then, a younger man named Diami approached them. He carried a bow much like Miranda's. A French trader has come. He brought furs, he said simply. Miranda and Mai stood and followed Diami back to the center of the camp, where they found the trader sitting at the table with the tribesmen and Miranda's family. The man appeared to be very frightened and weary. Miranda sat at the end of the table. As a man recounted his story, as he spoke, his voice trembled. The, they, they, they came in the night, he began. Bullets and arrows couldn't stop them. They killed everyone. I managed to escape. 
Who were they? Enyanto urged, his brow deeply furrowed. I don't know, the man responded. I never seen anything like them before. Enough, Enyanto sighed. Gaho, give this man some food and a blanket. Gaho was Enyanto's squaw. She was a very kind and gentle woman and did everything she could to care for everyone in the tribe. Gaho escorted the Frenchman away from the tent, from the table into his tent to give him some food. What do you think of this, Marcus? Enyanto asked. It troubles me, Marcus replied. I have a feeling it wasn't a mere human force. Could be a supernatural one, Chesmu said, sitting at a table. Skinwalkers, perhaps. And interrupt his temples. The skinwalkers are alive no more, Chesmu. There has to be a natural explanation to this man's tale. The Frenchman said bullets and arrows couldn't stop them. Or couldn't stop them, Alexander said, looking intently over at Marcus. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Marcus nodded, but didn't say anything. Miranda didn't know what her uncle was talking about. She assumed it had something to do with her experiences in Europe. She let out a sigh. More secrets. His village is just a few miles from here, Marcus said. We should be vigilant tonight. Agreed, Enyanto nodded. We will set a perimeter around the camp from now on. Scouts out all night. I can take up the first watch, Diami spoke up. Excellent, Enyanto said. Any other volunteers? I'll go, Miranda said. Everyone stared at her without saying a word. Women didn't normally speak at the table, and for Miranda to say anything at all was highly inappropriate. I will join Diami, as the tribesman spoke, breaking the silence. Very good, Enyanto said. Find some more men and patrol the forest. Now that the matter was settled, everyone stood and left the table, everyone except Miranda, who remained in place, seething. She was just as good, if not a better warrior and scout than all the others, or was she always ignored? Marcus stood behind her. Miranda, remember what I told you, he whispered to her through her gritted teeth. It's not fair, Miranda argued. I'm a better scout than any of them, and a far better warrior. Everyone knows it. You know the rules here, and you still continue to break them. Marcus lectured. I managed to convince Enyeto to allow you to wear weapons and war paint. How much longer will you try his patience? He will not put up with this much longer. It still isn't fair. We are members of this tribe now. We have to respect their ways. What do you think attacked those villagers? Miranda asked, hoping he would tell her his thoughts. I don't know. Regardless, don't go out tonight. I don't need to go missing like one of those villagers. What did Uncle Alexander mean about that the Frenchman's story sounded familiar? Miranda asked, ignoring her father's warning. I'll tell you another time. Miranda rolled her eyes, but this time Marcus caught her. There are some things you don't need to know, Miranda. There is a reason we have kept things from you. Everything we do is to protect you. But Father, I don't need to be protected, Miranda said. I'm immortal too, remember? Being immortal only protects you from physical dangers, not from emotional ones. Marcus replied sternly, you don't need to know everything. But why am I always kept in the dark? It's for your protection. Yeah, I got that, Miranda said, finishing her father's sentence. I just wish you would trust in me. Miranda, Marcus replied, he struggled to keep his composure. I do trust you. There are just some things I don't want to burden you with. My past, our family's past, is a lot to bear. You are not ready for that yet. Why do you always speak to me as if I'm a child, Miranda pressed. I've been alive for over a hundred years. You're not a child anymore in age, but you're still my daughter, Marcus replied. I will not burden you with my past. That is my final word on this matter. And with that, he walked away. Miranda sighed looked at her hands. She already made up her mind that she was going to go out again tonight to scout with the others. Not because, they, not because she wanted to disobey her father, but because she knew that whether they admitted it or not, they needed her help.
She couldn't sleep knowing the others were out there protecting her in the camp. Why have someone else to do a job that she could be doing? That any of them could be doing, for that matter. Why was her family so intent on not telling her about her past? What were they so afraid to tell her? What great burden did they not want to put upon her? Randall walked back toward the lake and sat down where she had before and pondered the Frenchman's tale. Her father mentioned the raiders being more than mere humans, and Chesmu mentioned the skinwalkers. Perhaps there was something more to these raiders. Miranda decided to seek out Chesmu. She wanted to hear his assessment of the tale. She stood and approached his tent. It was one of the largest tents in their village, except for the one belonging to the chief. She entered inside to find that Chesmu wasn't there. His tent was filled with all sorts of curious things. Religious wooden altars and sculptures, buffalo horns and deer antlers, various skins and furs, and a strange aroma from incense burning in the corner. Miranda, Chesmu said from behind her as he entered the tent carrying bundles of herbs. Miranda turned to see him. Chesmu, I was wondering if you could tell me more about the skinwalkers. Of course, of course, please, sit. Chesmu said, he sat on the ground across from her. What would you like to know? Do you think it was skinwalkers who attacked the French village? Perhaps. But there are many other creatures that could have been, too. Like what? There are many old legends about creatures raiding villages and tribes at night, Chesmu replied. The Camazots, for example. Camazots are giant, blood-sucking bats. They are terrible to behold, and they can carry a large amount of weight extremely fast when flying. Another is the Mishibinzu. Large cat-like creatures, much like mountain lions. They are bigger and even more deadly, however. They also have spikes on their backs, and claws on their feet are much like the talons on an eagle. So the villagers could have been attacked by either one of those creatures. It is possible, Chesman replied. Or perhaps the Frenchman was merely drunk with wine, and the villagers were raided by another tribe. Alcohol can have a strange effect upon some men. Meaning they can't handle it, Miranda asked. Meaning they shouldn't be drinking it, Chesman replied. I, for one, am one of those men, but I am too stubborn to quit, Chesman chuckled. Miranda smiled. Thank you for the information, Chesmu. Do not be troubled, my dear. I can see something I can see that something pains you. You have a very strong and independent soul. I know you would do the right thing, no matter the situation, Chesmu told her. I appreciate your kind words, Miranda replied, standing. I hope to speak with you soon again. Miranda left the tent and immediately bumped into her mother, Celine. Miranda, your father told me that what you saw in the woods. You haven't told anyone else, have you? Not a soul, mother, Miranda replied. Have you? Of course not, Selena replied, taken aback. Do you understand the dangers this information would bring upon, this tri upon the tribe? Yes, of course. That is why I've not told anyone, Miranda replied. Mother, why doesn't father tell me about Europe? To protect you, Selena replied. It is best that you don't ask about it. Was it really so horrible, Miranda pressed, that none of you ever speak of it? Selene looked at Miranda and placed a reassuring hand on her shoulder. It is really best you don't dwell on it. She walked away quickly. Miranda could get no information from her mother either. She knew better than to ask her aunt and uncle. If her cousin wouldn't tell her anything, she knew they wouldn't either. Come nightfall, she would go out and scout with the others. Maybe she would discover something valuable. Maybe she would learn something more that she could trade more information about her family's past. Thank you for listening to Chapter 3 of Freedom, Braids and Rumors. Stay tuned next week for Chapter 4, Knives in the Dark.